Nothing But the Words, episode number 10. Elevate your book with story. Welcome to Nothing But the Words, the podcast that gives you everything you need to know to write a phenomenal book. Now, here's your host, your author coach, Candace L. Davis. Hey there, welcome to Nothing But the Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis. And in this episode, I want to talk to you about how you can use the power of story to really elevate your book, give more value to your readers, and separate yourself from the other books in your category. Story is what can really position you as an expert. Even more than some of the other content in your book, your stories can help your readers get to know, like, and trust you even faster. So as I record this, we are in about the second week of being self-contained in our homes during the coronavirus crisis around the world. And if you're struggling to stay focused on writing and you find it really difficult right now, you are not alone. I totally get that. My older daughter is a doctor doing her residency. She's on her internal medicine rotation at a hospital in New Orleans. She is dealing with coronavirus patients on a daily basis and at risk for exposure. They don't have enough personal protection equipment at her hospital as they don't at at most hospitals. So I am often distracted by thoughts of her well-being and concern for her well-being and my parents who are older and a bit stubborn and I'm distracted by thoughts of wanting to make sure they stay in their homes and protect themselves and they're many miles away from me we live in different states so I can't always be the influence the uh, influence (laughs) it's not the word I want that I, I want to be on them. I I have a desire to control. So if you are struggling to stay focused on writing your book because you're distracted by the news, a constant need to understand more, your brain is seeking answers. I totally get that. Last week, I published an episode, um, episode number eight, where I talk about how you can continue to write in times of stress, fear, and uncertainty. And I personally am employing all of those strategies. I'm employing them to continue writing, but also to clear my mind before I get on calls with my coaching clients because they, regardless of what's going on in the world, they deserve the best they can get from me. So I don't want to be on the on the call with them and be distracted. I want to be as present as possible. So if you're looking for ways to get your attention back to your projects at hand, especially if working from home is a new activity for you, I know it can take some getting used to. Those of us who've been doing it for years, We may have good routines or bad, but we have routines that go along with it. Check out episode number eight. You can find it at CandiceLDavis.com backslash eight. That's just the episode number, or you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, let's dive into why you really must include stories in your book. Any book other than a user's manual, which I don't necessarily consider to be a book, is ripe for the use of story. If you're, t- if you're writing a memoir, you're telling one big story that's going to consist of many stories, and we'll talk about that in more detail in a future episode. But today, I want to focus on the stories that you would include in your how-to book, your personal development book, your professional development book, anything where you're teaching someone else. If you are writing a cookbook, you can include stories in your cookbook and make your book better. So there's several types of stories you can use in your nonfiction book. You can tell your own story. and 
for the most part, you're always going to want to do some of that. Not all the time. There, I do have a client, Suzanne Bernier, who wrote a book called Disaster Heroes, where she focuses exclusively. Her, hers is a, a subject expert book, and she focuses exclusively on the stories of other people. She tells the stories from almost a journalistic point of view of people who became heroes, average everyday citizens who became heroes in time of disaster. That's pretty exceptional because Suzanne almost never appears in the book. But at the end of the day, because she published that book, she did position herself as an expert in that niche. For the most part, though, you are going to want to tell some of your story in your book. You may not only tell your story, but you're mostly going to tell your story. So you position yourself as the expert. You may also want to tell some of your client stories. These could take the shape of case studies, or you may want to interview a client and get information. In that case, you're positioning yourself for your readers as the guide, as the person who has helped other people accomplish their goals or solve their problems. And so, of course, you're the person who can help your readers accomplish their goals and solve their problems. And then there are other people's stories who may not be your clients that you might want to include. That includes people like experts in your field or related fields. So why would you want to tell an expert story or interview an expert? Because they can lend even more legitimacy to the arguments and philosophies that you put forth as your own. You don't want to just take their philosophies and put them forth. You want to use them as a means to shore up and build a foundation for the message that you want to send for your readers. You may use the stories of historical figures or famous people whose stories are public and easily verifiable as long as they actually reinforce the message that you are trying to get to your reader. So typically that would be someone who has created success in a particular area that supports your book. So how do you know if you are telling a good story? Well, the first thing is that story should paint you as an expert in some way. So either you're the expert who went through the experience and learned something, so you, or you're the expert who helped someone else go through the experience and learn some, something. So it's fine to show your struggles and even your failures, but ultimately, as readers, we do want to know that you have some answers for us. That doesn't mean you have all the answers, but in terms of the topic of your book, you are not struggling anymore with the things we're struggling with. You found some answers and you can help us find some answers. So a good story, a story that supports your book should paint you as the expert either through your experience or through your experience in guiding someone else to overcome obstacles or accomplish goals. Your story should also be specific enough that it can only be true to you or to that particular person you're describing. How does it get that specific? You just include details of your experience. It may be in the case of a case study, those details may be numbers, right? So your exact experience in growing your business and doubling your revenue in two years is never going to be someone else's exact experience. Find the numbers that you feel comfortable in sharing. And I don't believe everyone has to be 100% transparent and share all of their business numbers unless they choose to. You can write a very successful book without doing that. But if you're telling a story about how you grew your business, we do want some numbers by which we can measure that. And that may be your bottom line. It may be revenue. It may be number of products sold. It may be number of clients you've taken on over a period of time. Just describe it to us in detail. So that story is specific enough that it could only be about you. If it's a story of 
let's see, if the story of a struggle that you accomplished, let's say you were trying to land a particular job as an executive, you're not the first person to have those struggles or to land that job, right? Or to land a similar job. However, the things that you went through and landing it and what you learned, when you get specific with the details, your story will resonate so much more with your reader. So your story should also always show transformation or growth, obstacles overcome, uh, some sense of enlightenment that you got from it, meaning lessons you learned or insights you took away from it, or an achievement. Now, we don't always achieve our goals, right? So you may tell the story of a goal that you were striving for and you never achieved. You can still paint yourself as an expert because you can paint yourself as someone who learned from that and was able to take what you learned to take those lessons and apply it to something else. So if you show transformation, growth, obstacles you've overcome, you're starting at a good place to tell a good story. Most good stories will also evoke some emotion in your reader. Now, that doesn't mean you have to make people cry. You don't have to tell a sad victim story to try to get an emotion, although sometimes you may, but that's not necessary to try to get an emotional reaction from people. People connect with emotions, right? So that emotion might be excitement. You may be telling a story that opens your reader's eyes to what's possible for them, what's possible in building their business, what's possible in reclaiming their health, what's possible in improving their relationships, right? That's going to evoke emotion in them. And it may also create an aha moment. If you can give the reader an aha moment with your story, that story is going to win every single time. Your story should also be relatable to that one perfect reader out there, that person who's waiting for your book. So what do I mean by relatable? Just because you are a 45-year-old woman who's newly single and is raising two kids doesn't mean that the only people who will be able to relate to you are in a similar circumstance, not at all. But by sharing a story that shows your weaknesses, that shows what you've overcome, that shows some struggles, you become to be, you become more relatable to your reader by showing yourself as a flawed human being. And that doesn't mean you have to tell all of your business or show all of your flaws, but by willing to be transparent in some areas that are relevant to your book, you become relatable to that reader. No one wants to read a story about how you can become wealthy when the person who wrote the book has always been wealthy, had everyone handed to them, never actually had everything handed to them, never actually made any effort to become wealthy. That's not relatable. Most of us are not born in that circumstance. And quite frankly, we don't believe we can learn anything from that person. We don't have the rich, wealthy person handing us something. So we don't want to hear about someone's story where that was their experience. So make your story relatable to the reader you're trying to reach. Any story you include in your book should also be relevant to the book's topic. Now, we have all lived interesting lives. We've all gone through things. We've all achieved things. But if it's not relevant to the book's topic in some way, it shouldn't make it in that book. That doesn't mean you'll never tell that story. You might include that story in a future book. You might include it in other places where you're marketing your products and services. But if it's not relevant, if you can't connect it back in some way, to the book's topic, you probably should not include that story. Uh, Not probably, you should not include that story in your book. On a recent coaching call with a new client, she explained that she had experienced abuse in her childhood. And she wanted to know if she should share openly about that 
abuse that she'd experienced in her book because she's a, very much aware that other people have gone through similar things and she wanted people to know they're not alone. But she's writing a business book and quite frankly, it did not fit. It was not something she was able to connect to the larger picture. I'm not saying that it's never able to be connected, but in her case, it wasn't. So she's simply not going to include it in that book. She may write another book in the future, but in this case, she's not going to include it. Your story should also illustrate your message and never contradict your message. Whatever the larger message is that you want readers to take away from your book, So for example, if you're writing a book on personal finance in which you describe how people can take control of their personal finances, regardless of where they're starting from, we don't want to hear stories about people who weren't able to do that, right? We don't want to hear stories that contradict your message. Now, if you want to tell a story about someone who wasn't able to do that, in that case, you want to illustrate exactly why and how if they had followed your system or understood your philosophy, they would have been able to do it. So it's almost like a a negative case study, but you always want to bring it back around to support your message. Your story should also stay within the boundaries of what you're comfortable sharing. Just because it's a part of your life, whether it's your personal or professional experience, does not mean you have to share it. You do not have to include everything that's ever happened to you in your book. You just simply don't. Even if it's relevant, even if you think it would resonate with the readers, even if you think it would make them learn more from your book or be able to apply what you're teaching more quickly, you are under no obligation to include it in your book. There are many, many, many stories you have to tell. Every single day in your life has stories, right? You end every day with a few stories that you could tell people, some bigger than others, but every day, every month, every year of your life has stories. If you're not comfortable sharing something, if it's outside of the boundaries of what you believe you should share, I highly suggest you don't share it. At the same time, if you're writing your book and you're not sure if you should share a story, Go ahead and write it. If you're on the fence, write it. You can always take it out before you publish the book. The stories you include in your book should also avoid causing unnecessary offense. Your book is not about tearing down anyone else. It's not about um, dissing somebody else's philosophy or their system or the way that they do things. Now, that doesn't mean you never have to make comparisons. You might. You might need to make comparisons that put something else in it or someone else in a less than positive light. But only when it's necessary should you do that. You don't want to come off as bitter. You don't want to come off as focused on what other people are doing instead of what you're creating. Speaking of focus, your story should focus on you as either a hero or a mentor or guide to the hero. By What do I mean that by that? As a hero, you are the person who is overcoming challenges, dealing with obstacles and overcoming those, having the struggles, but always getting a positive result at the end. It doesn't mean you always achieve the goal you set out to achieve, but you do get a positive result somehow, whether it's a lesson learned, a new goal you set and achieve, whatever the case may be. That's when you are the hero of your story. But you can also be the mentor or guide in your story. So for example, if I write a book on how to use a book (laughs) to create your platform and how to become a successful author, I would likely tell stories about many of my coaching clients. So I would tell stories about them and in those stories, I would serve as their guide or their mentor. I am not the hero of those stories, my clients are. 
I'm the guide or the mentor that still makes me an expert and that would still make you an expert. So you should be the hero or you should be the guide or mentor in those stories. And lastly, every story that you tell in your book should in some way inspire hope in your readers. They should be able to read those stories and know that they can solve whatever problem you're telling them how to solve. They can overcome whatever challenge you've overcome or helped your clients overcome. You really want to leave them with a sense of hope for what they can create. Whatever you're promising your reader from from your book, whatever you're promising they can achieve or change or be or have or do, if they apply the principles in your book, include that in your stories. Include the demonstrations of that promise in coming to life in your stories so that you can inspire hope for your readers. That's all for today. In the next episode, I'm going to give you some specific tips to make sure your storytelling is the best that it can be. If you follow these specific guidelines that I've given you today, you'll be off to a great start. But next week, I want to give you some even more specific ways to write better. If you want some help with your book, pop over to the show notes at CandiceLDavis.com backslash 10. That's the episode number. And check out my group coaching program, Short Books, Big Results. And in that program, I'm available every week to talk with my clients on our either our Q&A calls or my regular office hours. And you can you can go through the modules and bring your questions and bring the product that you're producing, the book that you're producing to office hours or to the Q&A calls, and we will give you some feedback on that. Thanks for listening to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis. Please stay at home, stay inside, take care of yourself and your family, be safe, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>